Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by A Comic Shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. For more Nerdy Show podcasts, community forums, and learn how you can support this and other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com. listening to flame on i am brian your comic book loving bear and i am here with two very special guests one of which uh i absolutely get to talk to on a regular basis as part of the comic book bears podcast uh i'm sure you've heard us and me specifically talking about in the past and he's even been on the show in prior episodes as sort of our bear uh, on the scene, uh, helping out with interviews and, and talking to bear issues. Uh, we have Bill Zanowitz on the line. Hey, Brian. Good, Good to talk to you as always. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and we just saw each other uh, up in New York Comic Con. We had our, our, our Flame On versus Comic Book Bears live event, which is a lot of fun. And um, yeah, it was, it's always great seeing Bill. And then uh, extra special guest today. Um, who has not been on uh, this show before, but I ha- I've really enjoyed his webcomic, uh, Grizzly and the Bear Patrol, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Uh, I have Mark Parman joining us. Hey, Mark. Hi, Brian. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you guys again for sitting down to talk to us. Um, this will be a very comic book focused episode. Hopefully, everyone listening is uh, is uh, interested in that. You know, if you're if your comic books are still kind of not your thing, if, but if you like bears. I think you're going to get a little bit of both today. Um, so let's start with Bill. Um, Bill, of course, you know, in addition to doing comic bears now for basically almost as long, I think, as Flame On's been around. What uh, what kind of got you focused towards writing, and what were some of the first things you had done in comics uh, with the various anthologies you've been a part of? Okay, well, you know, I do have a history as a writer. I just never tried writing comics before uh when i was in my 20s and 30s i wrote a couple of plays some that got produced in uh, off off broadway i would say <laughs> almost off broadway but off off broadway and it's a, a number of colleges around the the country uh but i never attempted writing comics i just um you know i'm one of those people that kind of went in and out of an interest in comics you know was 
really into it up until I was 13, puberty hit, and then I was out until the very beginning of college. Then, you know, you know economic situations when you're an adult. Da, da, da. So I weaved in and out of an interest in comics, and I, I think that may be why I never attempted it before. Uh, but uh, I became very involved with the another podcast, the Eleven O'Clock Comics Forum. Uh, and there's a really, really vibrant community there and just a, a bunch of great people. And amongst the community, there was uh, a number of creators, a lot of guys who did indie comic work. And they decided to do an anthology called Low Concept one year. Uh, they ended up doing it for three years. And in the third year, after I had become involved with the, with the forum on a regular basis, uh, I was invited to to submit something and i wasn't exactly sure what to do because you know with the anthologies you're kind of limited to uh you know four five six pages or so and as i was thinking of ideas uh you know the crime fighter inquiry which we'll be talking about a little later you know kind of coalesced a little bit you know this idea of somebody who's middle-aged and finding out about family history and finding out that family history is completely different. That was the germ of the idea. And then, you know, with all my interest in comic books and superheroes, that kind of polluted it a little bit. So that's where that uh, where my first work was published as a, as a writer, which was in Low Concept 3. And then I contributed some other stories. Uh, Kingbone Press that put out Low Concept 3 also had a music-based anthology called Banthology. And I had a story in that that was sort of a tribute to bad religion. And then most recently with uh, the New York City-based group Geeks Out, the LGBT group, uh, they put together the Power Anthology, which was a number of LGBT creators uh, you know, presenting short stories in relation to uh, the issues of strength and power in, in the gay community. And uh, myself and Rap Borsard, who... Later on, as if you're a regular listener to the CB Bears, uh, know that he eventually joined our show with Brian and Justin and, and Steve as a regular. Uh, but prior to that, I had contacted him, and he was fairly renowned in some bear art circles as Fuzzbelly. And we crafted a story, you know, basically a snapshot of somebody's life from one point to another, which was called Teammates. And that was the most recent story that I've written that was published. So, Bill, you got to do a signing for uh, the Power Anthology at New York Comic Con. What was that experience like for you? That was pretty cool, <laughs> I have to say, uh, <laughs> in terms – you know, it, it's a little strange when you're not an artist and you can't sketch or, you know, really have any product that was available, at least at this point. But it, it, was, it was a lot of fun to, you know, to sign and, you know – getting people to buy the book itself and that was really cool and i i would be enthusiastic let's say to do it again well it was really cool that they did that uh and then you also got to hang out I and mean, we talked about this of course on our respective shows but you probably got to hang out and network a little bit with northwest i know um dave abersole was there at new york and then mm -hmm. at uh baltimore you had zan christensen as well uh, I mean, I hope I hope you started making some uh, in inroads there to, to do some stuff for them in the future. Yeah, we'll see. You know, <laughs> I mean, I would, be, yeah. I would be really excited to see that myself. But yeah. now, Mark, uh, so I I really found out about your work through Bill. Um, I had heard of you, I think, briefly somewhere else. Someone else mentioned a webcomic about bear superheroes, 
And I'm, I mean, there's probably more than one now. But I mean, you started uh, Grizzly and the Bear Patrol back in what 2009? Yeah, actually, that was it's. Gosh, I just can't believe it's been that long, really. <laughs> yeah. And it's a it's a uh, it's a web comic, and uh, you know we'll do URLs at the end and all that. But I mean, if you Google Grizzly and Bear Patrol, you'll find it quickly. Um, what uh, what inspired you to to do that? And had you ever done anything like that prior? Oh no, that was the first. I. I, I travel a lot for work, and I spend a lot of time in airports, and I typically spend a lot of time drawing. I carry sketchbooks with me all the time, and one day I just sort of drew out this grizzly character, and different costume is horrible, which I don't know if it'll ever see the light. Um, but uh, it was just sort of a challenge. I, I did a five-page origin story for some friends of mine um, who, who are his parents, uh, a, a gay couple, friend of fair friends of Ended up adopting a son, so I drew this sort of a gift slash gag for them, and just doing those five pages, it was kind of nice. I mean, I was surprised how well it turned out, considering I was, it was sort of half-heartedly done. So I, I decided to go ahead and try to do a first issue, just to, really as a challenge to myself to see how it would turn out, and it was so well received. I, after a while, it's a it's a lot of work. Um, I decided to try a second issue, and then it just kept going. So I think I just posted issue 18 a couple of weeks ago. Well, I I, uh, I read the first I, – I, I'm not sure exactly where the issues break, but I basically read that origin story, if you will, of the team coming together. Uh, right. And, and I, I will say, if, if those of you who have never checked this out, I mean, of course, you're going to all run out right now while we're list, you're listening. Go, go to your computers and, of course, you know, dig this up. But – Bear Collector has got to be one of the most inspired villains <laughs> I think all creation. And what's even more remarkable, and you know, I admit I'm somewhat late to the bear community. I only I mean I had heard of it, but I really didn't like get involved in any way with it until about twenty twenty eleven ish, twenty twelve. And I'll tell you, now that I understand what bear collectors are and having been collected, I guess, on Facebook at least, like I totally appreciate that villain and, and his name and his uh his mo if you will um so you have you you like to work in like tongue-in-cheek sort of community driven like story beats or ideas into this otherwise superhero framework and like do you try to like keep a blend of comedy and and keep it light do you in some of the later things do you try to get a little more dark or do you like just keeping it sort of like a semi-satirical sort of fun superhero story it's meant to be all in fun i think comic books basically nowadays tend to lean towards very gritty very serious topics and I kind of miss the sort of lighthearted comic books that I used to read as a kid. And that's where – that's the, the general vibe this one has. I, I tell everybody it has a PG-13 feel. Like you'll never see, um, you know, a lot of nudity and you'll never see a lot of sexual situations or anything because I want this to be something that if a, if a 13-year-old kid found it on the web, I wouldn't want to, you know, have his parents calling me or, or anything like that. Um, I want to feel comfortable that, he, that that's a okay comic for a kid to read. And I like that you do walk that fine line. I mean, there are certainly moments and positions and art that <laughs> I would say if I was a 13 year old gay man, you know, gay boy, I mean, like I would find the, uh, titillation, if you will. Uh, but at the same time, it's not overly <clears throat> sexualized. It's all very sort of behind the panel, maybe, you know, uh, just, just the poses are suggestive, but not the, uh, 
the actual situation. I mean, the one I'm thinking of, of course, is the guy. I forgot which character it is. Uh, he's he's like restrained on the, uh, the the sort of specimen table, and the bear collector is sort of looming over him. And and then a couple of examples <laughs> later, there's just not gratuitous because I would never say an ass shot is gratuitous, but a lot of nicely drawn uh, posteriors and spandex, uh, you know. So so I like that you kind of find that find that line and you you stay very very aware of the situation but not uh you're, you're no uh well i won't name names but you're no uh smut peddler by any <laughs> <laughs> no i think if you look in the shadows of things you might see something suggestive but that's as far as it goes well that's great and i i, I like that that's uh that's the point so now you guys got together to do this interesting and i would say and bill correct me if i'm wrong or either of you correct me if i'm wrong this crime fighter inquiry is not necessarily a bear story, even if the two of you are bear artist and writer and your your influences are, you know, somewhat uh, obviously somewhat varied. But, you know, you're not doing you're not going for just that sort of uh, genre type story. No, it's um, it's funny because you know, the when I was putting the, together the framework of the story, I uh, I knew it would be an older slightly overweight gentleman at least at the start that would be the central character and mark's real good at drawing the, the male form that's kind of close to that ambit uh but in terms of the in terms of the story lou gianetti who's the lead character is a straight divorced father of two would, would certainly be considered bearish but it um you know, and, and you know, there's this whole phenomenon now of straight bears too. Uh, <laughs> that um, you know, it, it, it. I don't think in terms of the visual aspect, it's too far off from a lot of bear uh, material that people enjoy. But it, the, the central, what's central to the story, isn't really there. Um, but there is one major supporting character that is a little more aligned in that with that world. Uh, than the lead character, so there's some there. <laughs> now, Mark, when Bill came to you with this pitch, and or you guys started, you know, talking about it and sort of working it out, like, what was your reaction? Was this the kind of thing that you envision yourself doing? And how much of the story have you contributed? Um, just give me a little bit of an insight into how you guys started putting this together. Uh, basically, he he just sort of asked to do whether I would be willing to help out with the. Um the art for the prologue that got published in Low Concept 3. And basically, he sent me a story with uh, you know the outlines and the dialogue and some general ideas of how characters should look. So um, I think you even described Louis Gianetti as uh, someone who might have played football in high school. Mm-hmm. You know, so you got general ideas, broad shoulders, but, you know, he's kind of got what now we can now call, I guess, the dad bod. <laughs> <laughs> So, you know, so he, he sent me some sort of loose parameters and then the rest of it I was allowed to sort of um, sort of design around certain parts of it. Um, and, and we, we traded things back and forth, rough sketches. Um, you know, he would said, I, I want this person to have more hair. I want him to look a little more stylish. Um, I, th- I think we, we – I don't know if we agreed or disagreed on like the beard um, on Lou, you know, whether it should be gray or it should be darkened or a mix. Yeah, mm-hmm. Just things like that where that's typical collaboration. 
Okay, and was it like uh, uh, Bill or Mark? Did you guys do full script, or did you kind of leave it a little more open for certain things to be played out by by Mark, or how'd you guys do that? I, I, I was pre- Mark. It was pretty much full script, I would say, right? Yeah, for the with, most with part. The yeah, first, for the first issue. Yeah, and uh, I, I gave Mark a bit too much script. Um, were, <laughs> you know, again, I'm kind of, this is new terrain for me. And, uh, I kind of flooded certain pages with dialogue. And that's been a whole learning experience of, you know, reeling stuff back and, you know, learning the economy of language, especially when it's going to be married with a visual image. And, uh, yeah, but it, it was, pr- it was pretty much full script. I don't know going forward if, if that would always, if that will always be the case. Uh, but at least with what we had with the issue one, which is what we are kickstarting, uh, here we go, uh, that it was pretty <laughs> much full script. Now yeah. let's talk about that. So you did this kickstart. You started, I mean, you showed us, uh, Comic Book Bears, uh, group, the video, uh, I think, what was it? Like, it's probably about five, six months ago. Oh uh, no! Uh, it was shot in it was shot in July or August. Oh gosh, was it that recent? Yeah, it was that recently. Yeah, wow. yeah. It, it feels like it was forever. Yeah, but no, I mean, uh, <laughs> like you, you like moved like once you had. Oh, I, I actually let me I'll edit all that out. Um, when did you guys start collaborating, and how, how long ago, I should say, did you guys start collaborating, and, and to get to this point, like? Have you had you done it like six months a year ago, and you just kind of waited, or was it, is this like fresh off the pages? Right oh, there, there was a sizable gap. Um, I, you know, just as Mark had said, he travels a lot for work. I was at a period where I was traveling a lot for work, and you know, when you aren't at a home base, things get delayed. Initially, what we had hoped was we had the prologue story, which came out in 2013, and we're hoping to you know provide a Kickstarter the following year in 2014. Uh, life got in the way. I unfortunately lost my job and wasn't working for eight months. And, you know, when you're in a situation like that, you do have a full-time job. It's called looking for a job. So uh, that put this on the back burner, you know, an additional amount of time. But the... The guts of the first issue have actually been completed some time ago. Apart from, we had some panels that were incentive connected to uh, certain Kickstarter levels, but it's basically been finished for for some time. And now the Kickstarter then is basically then to handle the production costs. Yeah, the, handle the production costs and you know the ancillary promotional costs, getting the you know copies of the books to. The, you know, to reviewers and getting it into certain retail shops that'll have it. Uh, you know, it's, there's a, you know, there's a, you know, it's somewhat of a, um, limited umbrella, but still it's, it goes beyond just the regular printing costs of getting this, uh, getting this book printed, the first issue. Now, do you guys see this going, um, like, you know, limited run it, or I mean, if, if you're, I mean, well, I guess we should say the Kickstarter has, been very successful um we still have time i think when this episode goes out there'll be about another little less than a week to Um, support this yeah i think it'll be about a week uh, by the time that comes out we're are wrapping up on november 8th at 9 45 p.m eastern standard time i have that burned into my head (laughs) and uh um you know right now we are at 148 percent funded so it's a go uh, but, you know, the more money we get in the till, the more effectively we can uh, we can premiere the first issue. 
and you know maybe even get to the level where there are some stretch goals for the people that have already contributed uh you know we'll see but i you know just because something is funded doesn't mean that you can't put more money in the till and there's certain reward levels that are already sold out but there's plenty that are still available well and i, well, yeah. I wanted to, to you know add to that is at first if you really want to read this story it is i think incumbent to fund it because like all the other comic book kickstarters i've been a part of it may eventually get picked up it may eventually get distributed but if you want to read that like when it comes out like you know on wednesday of the release you know for for new comics that's how you get it so i mean yeah. you know at the very least people should run out and if they want to check this out go to the kickstarter and contribute you know something and get a copy of the issue mm-hmm. um now the, i won't uh, disagree <laughs> i know right yeah. The uh, I mean, I, I speak as a both a fan of Bills and as a friend and as a contributor. So I I am advocating what I've already done, and I'm very happy to do so. And I think the listeners of this show, particularly a lot of them, and of course you know some of the same listeners of Comic Bears, but like you want to read this stuff. It's comics made by people who love comics. So uh, to that, what what would you guys say? I'll start with Mark. What would you say some of your favorite books, either classic or modern, that really kind of inspire you and keep you going and kind of fuel your creative energies? Oh, gosh. Um, that's, a, that's a long haul. I've been collecting comics since I was five. Um, <laughs> wow, that is a long <laughs> You know, I'm 42 now. Um, I, you know, when I feel like I need a little creative bump, I will actually go into like the uh, the Dick Dillon issues of Justice League from the seventies. Nice. Um, I will sometimes uh, anything. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. In, in the, from the X-Men, from the John Byrne, Chris Claremont era with Dark Phoenix. Um, just because the artwork is beautiful and the stories were incredible. Um, one of the books that I actually do pick up quite a bit, and it, it never seems to do very well with the public, but I think it's an incredibly um, interesting way of presenting a superhero team, is the book Clandestine. Nice. Um, because Alan Davis, yeah, the artwork is amazing. The characters are interesting because they're, you know, the family dynamics, and they don't all get along, and the different ages and how some of them are hundreds of years old – it's just it's but it's also very funny there's humorous bits in it where siblings don't get along and they little jabs at each other um you know the kids don't behave and they disappear and then they the grown-ups have to go chasing after them because they're flying away um that's always been a great creative drive because one i love the artwork and two i just i love the dynamics that that book brings but yet it never seems to do really well you'll get like a six issue miniseries and then it'll disappear for a couple of years 
Um, but t- typically, I, I tend to, to look a lot at art, and I just kind of hope there's a really great story with it. Um, and then lately, dealing with the, the black, because the, the Crime Fighter inquiry is um, right now a black and white comic. So I have actually been reading a lot of uh, some like creepy and eerie, which are the those little anthology books that have been out. But they're all in black and white, and I, I love the way that that black and white is done. It's just got great shadows and um, interesting tricks to kind of make it interesting visually, even when you're only dealing with two colors or in grayscale. Another book, I mean, I know Bill and I are, I think, uh, fans. Uh, well, recently, anyway, um, Satellite Sam uh, from uh, Matt Fraction and uh, and uh, Howard Shaken. Talk about amazing use of black and white, like – it's like a master class in storytelling in black and white comics. Oh, I can imagine. Harold Chaykin does a lot of work actually in Creepy. Oh, um, okay. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's great to see his artwork in there because he's, he's, got, he's got a great style. He just did uh, – we'll probably talk about this more on our respective shows uh, coming up. But he just did an, uh, an episode of S.H.I.E.L.D., the comic book inspired by the TV show Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Um, oh. by Mark Wade, And uh, it was pretty good. It was in color, of course, you know, Marvel's – very rarely going to put out a black and white issue, right? But um, it was great, and it featured Dominic Fortune, a uh, character who has not been popping up as frequently, but I know Shaken, of course, loves. Um, Bill, what about you? I know, uh, I know personally that you're a huge fan of DC, uh, Silver mm-hmm. Age, Legion, all that. But like mm-hmm. when you were writing Crime for Inquiry, like what what kind of things were you drawing on or inspired by, or what did you kind of use as sort of a a conduit to sort of kind of just give you some energy well i I, if i have to pick a favorite series of all time it's probably james robinson's Starman. um you know because again there is an element of family um and relation and you know unraveling of family histories and there is some of that in sandman and, and i just i just took a lot of I, I took a lot of inspiration from that. I also thought it was really interesting as I was writing. You never know who's an influence until you actually do it. You know, I'm like I'm, you know, I can pick out my favorite writers, whether it be Grant Morrison or Alan Moore. You know, I don't think you'd see those tropes and stuff that I've come out with yet. Um, you know, but I certainly ranked them high. But I was really surprised when I was rereading some of this stuff. And there's, uh, you know, Mark Wade got to me through osmosis i think <laughs> because there's you know because i do think he's somebody who's very good at you know for lack of a better parlance traditional superhero stories and you know there is that conceit that runs through elements of, of crime fighter inquiry i don't know if i necessarily were was reading certain things to be inspired um you know, I God knows I read enough, and I, I just I just kind of ran with it, and I, I almost saw the influences in the in the rear view, um, you know. But I'm thinking of like you know some of my favorite books from the past. I, I was I'm really glad to, and I know this is why Mark and I connect because I just love the 70s Justice League. Um, oh, yeah. You know, particularly the issues that were written by Len Wein and then later by Steve Englehart. And, um, you know, if people are unfamiliar with that stuff, particularly the Steve Englehart stuff, which uh, was when the book was a giant size where you get about 37 pages of art per issue. And that was that was kind of the ideal format for Justice League. You know, you these are not stories, even if they were done in one, that should be confined to 20, 22 pages. You know, the team's too big for that. And, uh, you know, those 
you know, I uh, that's material I'd always go back to when I left reading comics and came back. There was something called New Teen Titans by Marv Wolfman and George Perez, and in some ways that was the comic I was always hoping for when I was a little kid. Um, you know, and there's, you know, I, whether it's Alan Moore Supreme or, you know, even, you know, much more esoteric stuff like Matt Wagner's Mage, uh, there's a lot of stuff that's, uh, you know, that I've absorbed and, and, you know, go back to every so often. You know, there's, yeah, I, there's a I lot of going back to the well, I gotta say. I love that you uh, got to talk to Mark uh, at, uh, was it New York or Baltimore, right? That was at Baltimore, yeah, and I did have a promo card for the Crime Fighter Inquiry, and I gave it to him, and I, I said to him, I said, I honestly wouldn't be giving this to you if I didn't think this was in your wheelhouse, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, and he was now, very nice, very, what, very nice. What do you guys, okay, so if I was someone off the street, and I was looking at the the spinner rack way back, or I was looking at my comic book shelves or what have you. What would what would catch my eye about Crime Fighter Inquiry? What would be the thing that kind of draws me in? Mm. That's a good question. One of which I'm not prepared for a stock answer for. Uh, <laughs> I, I will to surprise you at least once. Okay, well, great. Well, I will say that if you did pick up the Crime Fighter Inquiry, uh, you would see something that deals with secret histories and conspiracy theories and that might be in your wheelhouse you might see something that sort of kind of looks like superheroes you're used to and that might make you gravitate toward it and also you'd see a lot that relates to the the, the bonds of family and sometimes also how family isn't necessarily just your blood relatives that's might you might not get all that in the first issue but there are I think very humanistic elements of the story that we're telling uh, that might grab you as well. I, I don't think it you can really um, put it on one particular wavelength about what this story is about. It coalesces and melds into its own thing. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> and I know I know yeah. you told me writing it really surprised you in a lot of different ways, not just the main character, but just other things that you didn't. I guess think at first that it was going to do, and then it oh did. no, absolutely. I mean, there were there were elements where um, initially because you know we're on a, a Skype call here and we're all three gay men, and going into it, I initially thought, hey, this guy's divorced, he's at a midlife, he's at a midpoint of his life, and addressing his sexuality is going to be an issue. I really thought that this was going to be, in, in some ways, a, a coming out story in a, on a couple of different levels. And then, as I was getting into him, as you know, just the you know, before I sent stuff off to Mark, I was just thinking, God, you know, it, it was as if their character was telling me, "Dude, I'm not gay," and that was kind of liberating because I, it felt very deliberate to make that to make that leap. Um. And I think if we do get to tell stories about Legionetti going forward, even past the what we hope are six issues for this initial story, um, romance is in the air. <laughs> and, uh, and that's a story I'd love to tell, and it's a much more honest story to the character uh, than I think I was allowing at first. So that, the, you know, even from the beginning, that surprised me. And then when we got into the creative process, that surprised me. There was uh, the character designs that Mark provided for one particular character was very different from what I envisioned. But it certainly worked for what we had. 
And then when I was putting dialogue in this particular character's mouth, seeing how he looked now really changed the vibe about how uh, I thought this character should sound like. So even at a you know very early point, and, and nothing really premeditated, nothing you know, just something very natural. Mark's art was changing the perspectives, and again, really early on. You know that the dialogue. If I was working with another artist, would have been totally different for that character. If uh, unless you know, unless I had seen Mark, what Mark had done, you know, with, now, with that particular character you, design. You writing anything in particular for Mark? Because I know you hear certain writers like Bendis always talking about writing for the artist. Were the things that you and Mark liked to do that you were trying to incorporate? Well, yeah. I mean, it's a little hard to tell in the first issue, but I think as we're going on, as I said, Mark is really awesome at the at one particular male form. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's a you know again, there's been a couple of you know laying in bed shots, you know, in a, in a white beater <laughs> that was very deliberate. <laughs> and you know, there'll there'll be a couple of things. That, there's a um. It, I don't want to give too much away, but with the with the center of the story, there is something of a trinity, and um, they are all characters that Mark will be awesome at drawing in the situations I have planned. <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> now, Mark, is there anything in particular you've told Bill that you really would like to draw, or are you kind of letting him just steer the ship and... And and fooling whatever he. I think you said you don't like cars. I think you said you don't like to draw cars, right? Uh, not really. They take a little bit more effort for me because okay. uh, I'm used to drawing people versus drawing vehicles. I mean, it just takes a little bit more time. Um, like an interior of a car, I really have to think about where things are supposed to be. Whereas drawing a figure is secondhand at this point for me. Um, no, he's he's pretty much he he gives me sort of the basic idea, and then I sort of draw around it as much as I can, um, uh, at least when I read the dialogue, because everybody reads something and they imagine what characters look like in their own mind. Even when you're given a general description, you sort of, you, you put your own spin on how the hair is supposed to be and how big the mustache is and how broad the shoulders are and all that wonderful stuff. Um, and it's also part of what you, you get when you read it. Um, the way he, the way that Lou is written the book is very heavily, in terms of dialogue, instead of speaking between two people, a lot of times it's all about what's going on in his head, and you actually get to read his thoughts. And he's a very, to be such a large, burly guy who could seem very imposing and threatening, if you read the dialogue, he's actually a very sensitive, somewhat insecure person. You know, he's gone through a divorce, he's got two kids he doesn't get to see all the time. Um, in the prologue, you know, you find out that his grandfather's passed away. Uh, and that and he's got fond memories of that and you you empathize with him and i try to draw him even though i draw him kind of big and burly because that's what i like um you, you also draw him as a sympathetic character he is somebody that if he were gay i would like to date <laughs> nice <laughs> uh-huh <laughs> yeah i would yep. turn that down yep. if he walked up to me in a bar <laughs> Is there anything else about the uh, crime fighting where you guys feel like is is worth uh, mentioning and, and might uh, also sort of draw people in? I mean, you guys have covered a lot of it, and I obviously I don't want to spoil it. Um, oh well, I guess one thing I should ask is: is there a great like hook cliffhanger type thing at the end of the first issue that's going to propel people to come back for uh, for more? Oh God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yes. 
Um, yeah, I, if I were a reader and I'm just, you know, I'm not tooting my own horn here at all because I'm just going on the types of stories that I enjoy. If this was something I was totally foreign from and saw the ending of the first issue, I would need to know what happened next. Nice. So I'm hoping if, if I've done it right, because God knows Mark's done his job right. (laughs) with with the image he provided there but if i've done my job right i'm hoping that more than most of the people who read the first issue will be hooked in to see what happens next cool yeah well the uh if you go to kickstarter crime fighter inquiry and then you also have a domain right crime fighter inquiry yeah crime fighter inquiry dot com and you can also go to facebook and also to tumblr and there are comic book I'm so ready. I'm so used to comic book bears here, and there are <laughs> and there are crime fighter inquiry presences on those platforms. And there also are comic book bears uh, uh, platform uh, yeah. on all of those as well. Okay. Uh, and, oh. and recently, uh, Twitter, thanks to Justin, one of our fellow comic bears guys. Yeah, uh, he's oh no, Instagram. That's the one he just started. Yeah, right? he just started Instagram. Oh, there's something else I, I just wanted to mention about. Crime Fighter Inquiry, before passing it on to Mark, you know, we kept mentioning about this particular prologue that, you know, came out two years ago, and, um, because the, there was enough of an interest in Low Concept 3, the print version of that has actually been sold out for some time now. It had come out from our friends John Westhoff and Bob, uh, Bob Garnalis at Kingbone Press, and they were kind enough to, you know, you know, again, you know, right to attention level, whatever. Uh, don't want to get into the legalities of it. But um, because that has been out of print for so long, uh, we have provided the six-issue prologue for free on the Kickstarter and on the Facebook page and on the Tumblr page uh, so people can sample that. And I do think it's a, a nice bridge into the regular series. I think you definitely get a flavor of what's ahead uh, from that from that prologue. And that's awesome. that's free for everybody to read. That's great, um, Mark. What? Uh, you, oh, so that's right. When we said this, well, I think we said this before we recorded. Um, Grizzly and the Bear Patrol, ongoing adventures. Right. That's not stopping anytime soon. No, no. Actually, I I tend to think up new story ideas when I'm working out, and I'm I'm got the next two issues sort of rough sketched out already. So yeah, I'm not gonna stop. <laughs> and that's up on. Oh gosh, you're gonna have to do the whole domain for me. That's okay. It's uh, Grizzly and the Bear Patrol, all one word. dot wordpress. dot com. Okay, great. And do you have uh, social media presence as well? I do. There's a Facebook page for Grizzly and the Bear Patrol. If you if you search for it, it's relatively easy to find. Okay, awesome. Well, I, I really, I mean, I, I wish you guys both luck, of course, but I know you don't need it at this point because you guys will be successful no matter what happens. But I do want everyone out there who likes comics and who likes. A lot of the influences and things you guys talked about, which I hope there are a lot of the audience, to go check it out because I'm excited to get my copy of it. And uh, I know everybody else will really enjoy it as well. And then we want to see more of it. I'm sure we're all going to be clamoring, like, what happens next? You know, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm thrilled. This is so exciting. I'm really happy to you guys to see you guys do this. Well, so, uh, we're happy to do it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> this is, you know, again, this isn't anything that uh, that either Mark or myself are doing for any sense of profit. Um, you know, we're, we're telling this story because we love comics, plain and yeah. simple. And, you know, again, you don't necessarily want your, you, you want to get your stories out there. 
and now we have platforms where we can do it. And uh, you know, I just I do hope people check out the Kickstarter and check out the video and check out the prologue and are charmed by them <laughs> and to decide to become a backer because uh, it's really important to. You know, just uh, this project aside, I just think it's really been beneficial to the comics world in general to have crowdfunding platforms. There have been a lot of great projects that wouldn't exist or wouldn't have the exposure that they they eventually had if not for these particular types of initiatives. And uh, uh, it's a it's a very fun fraternity to join. I would have to say. Oh, definitely. I uh, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, everyone's gonna check it out, and if you don't, we'll, we'll post more stuff on social media. You go to our Flame on Facebook; you'll see a thing for it. You go to Comic Book Bears Facebook, and you'll see stuff up there for it. Uh, I'm sure Mark, you're you're promoting it on your uh, your Facebook page for Grizzly and the Bear Patrol. Uh, oh, yeah. I really I really hope you guys get uh, like super more than 200 percent funded. I mean, whatever whatever magic number you guys hit, I'm really uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that you guys uh, get some stretch goals and do well. Well, you know, at, at at worst we're coming out. At best, uh, we'll be buying private jets. So, <laughs> <laughs> so get those some, movie rights in there. Yeah, yeah. somewhere in the middle is okay. <laughs> well, when you guys announce your AMC series, just make sure. You oh bring God, it we been. actually had a, that posted like somebody about um, about who would you cast? I'm like, I don't even want to go there, <laughs> you know, because yeah. then you get obsessed with it. <laughs> Uh huh. But the, listen to Bendis talking about getting powers on the screen. And oh my God! Yeah, that that was not a short journey. Oh Jesus! Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us again. Uh, Crime Fighter Inquiry. Three words. Uh, well, no, is Crime Fighter one or two words? It's well, two words. Two words. Yes. So Crime Fighter Inquiry on Kickstarter and other social media platforms. Thank you, uh, Bill and Mark, so much for joining us. Thanks again, Brian. This was great. Thank you, Brian. Thanks for listening to Flame On, a podcast made possible by Powder Milk Biscuits, The Ones in the Blue Box, A Comic Shop, and the generous support of tops and bottoms like you. If you want to be one of our sugar daddies, you can help out by telling a cute single friend about us, reviewing us on iTunes, or putting some dollars down our digital G-string in our monthly support drive. For more ridiculously entertaining and socially enlightening episodes of Flame On, as well as other fine programs, head on over to nerdyshow.com. You can subscribe to Flame On and all Nerdy Show Network podcasts via iTunes. And be sure to find us on Twitter at Flame On Podcast or Facebook on our Flame On fan page. And make sure to check out flameonshow.com for more nerdy queer in your ear. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.